Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, wait, what'd you say about my warp core? Well, listen, I'm Sean Ferrick and I'm here for Trek Culture. And here are 10 Star Trek burns that still sting. 10, double dumbass on you. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, of course, sees the crew of the Enterprise, or maybe I should say the HMS Bounty, get dropped into 1980s San Francisco. As such, they need to start adapting to the local culture. First, the main crew, they strip their rank insignia, they strip their uniforms, and they're pretty much fine. Which, of course, leaves Spock with his very alien-looking face. He tears off a band, wraps it around his head, cushy. Next, they're walking through the streets of San Francisco and... Kirk being Kirk, he won't stop for traffic and nearly gets mown down by a taxi. The taxi driver very understandably goes, Hey, why don't you watch where you're going, you dumbass? To which Kirk retorts, Well, double dumbass on you! Greatest comeback ever. Nine. He's probably terrified of your beads and rattles. McCoy and Spock seem to exist to bounce off each other. And while for the most part it's a fairly, uh, if not loving, and certainly mutually respectable bouncing, there are some times when one truly does get irritated with the other. One such time was in the second season episode, I Mud. They're walking down the corridor when crewman Norman walks past them going the other direction. McCoy greets him and Norman acknowledges him. McCoy stops Spock. And he goes on to say that he doesn't, he doesn't get a good feeling about this guy. Spock just goes, do not give me labels, give me specifics. McCoy then, a little bit rattled, says, you know, it's really quite frustrating when somebody approaches things with just logic and no emotion and are quite standoffish. Now, Spock doesn't bite, but McCoy then goes on to say, oh, well, obviously you're okay because, you know, pointed ears basically is your get out of jail free card. McCoy pauses for a second and says, you know, he hasn't even come in for his physical yet. To which Spock expertly goes, he's probably frightened of your beads and rattles and just walks away. And honestly, I did not know Spock was such a bitch, but I love it. Eight, you may test that assumption at your convenience. When you look at Patrick Stewart in the early episodes of The Next Generation, it's not that he's not an intimidating character, but it's really more about how he speaks and how he delivers his speeches. In the third season episode, Sins of the Father, Worf is called back to Kronos as Moog, his father, is accused of a crime he didn't commit. And the accuser is Duras. Kern is to stand with Worf as his Chadich, but 
Duros makes sure he's taken out of the picture. Picard volunteers to stand up. Duros faces down Picard and says, basically, he doesn't have the metal. He needs to know how to fight, and that's something that Starfleet doesn't teach. Picard doesn't miss a beat. He stands there full of poise, looks him dead in the eye and says, you may test that assumption at your convenience. And Duros backs down. Oh yes, oh yes. Seven, you can start by doing something about your breath. Don't get into a war of words with Kieran Reese. Just don't, you're gonna lose. I wish somebody had, actually no I don't. I was gonna say I wish somebody had told Guldukat that, but I'm really glad they didn't because it gave us this fantastic moment. Guldukat is, well I'm not allowed to say what Guldukat is, but we all know what Guldukat is. But he is a villain. Let's settle on that word. And when the Dominion retake Deep Space Nine, rename it Terok Nor, he calls Major Kira to a meeting in his office. She is trying to obviously keep the peace and not raise to the bait. She gives a report and she's about to leave. Ducat steps in front of her and says that he didn't give her permission to leave. Yeah, that's the kind of guy Ducat is. Now, when Ducat was in charge of Terok Nor the last time as the prefect of Bajor, he used to keep comfort women around him the whole time. And with an extended, gross, greasy hand, he tries to stroke Kira's face and says, I can make things very pleasant for you here, Major Kira. To which she looks him in the eye, smiles and says, you can start by doing something about your breath. Now there's a little exchange after that in which the fool says, I can wait, and you just know that if she's given half a chance, she's going to cut his neck ridges off. Don't get into a war of words with Kira Narice. You're gonna lose. Six, shall I flog them as well? And the bitchy Vulcans are back. Tuvok is the one who utters this immortal line in the fourth season episode of Star Trek Voyager, Scientific Method. In this episode, the crew has been overrun, although they don't know it, by a group of alien scientists who are basically trying to push them as hard as they possibly can to see what their breaking point is. Poor old Captain Janeway has really been yeah, a bit of a focus of their experiments, and they've kept her up for about five days at this point. Tuvok walks into the room and says, good morning, Captain, to which she barks back at him. That's a matter of opinion. He goes on to start describing the productivity of the ship, and there's a little bit, it's a little bit off. She immediately turns and says, well, don't these people report into you? What are you going to do about it? To which he goes, shall I flog them as well? That's all he needs to say. If Tuvok is the one giving you sass, you've probably done something to deserve it. Five, shall we die together? Is there anyone out there that doesn't love the resolution to the season three episode, The Defector? The Enterprise is brought across the neutral zone by the unfortunately false information that Admiral Jarrock gave them, only to be trapped by two Romulan warbirds commanded by Commander Tomalok. He stares down the captain and says that his plans are quite simple. He will break the Enterprise and bring that hull back to Romulus to display in the middle of the capital. Picard does initially try and keep things civil. He even offers an apology. Tomalok is having none of it. There follows a great moment, which sort of comes out of nowhere, but when you look closely at the episode, all the clues are there. Picard says, you know, these men and women, 
They have pledged to give their lives if the cause is just. Are you willing to die today? And Tomalock scoffs and he says, Oh, you know, I expected better from you than idle threats. Picard nods and three Klingon birds of prey decloak around the ships. Picard reminds him that even though Tomalock is correct, they won't survive Tomalock's assault, he won't survive theirs. Shall we die together? Four, nuclear annihilation. You know, when I set out to start writing this list, I really didn't think how many times I was gonna see the Vulcans on this list, but, but here we are again. Here we are again. In the second season episode of Enterprise, Carbon Creek, we learn the story of T'Pol's maternal grandmother, Tamir. Tamir, Mestral and Stron were part of a landing party that accidentally crashed near the town of Carbon Creek in around 1950s America. Now, obviously, Vulcans in the 50s, bit of a problem, but they have to integrate and they have to get to know these people because they can't sit out in the forest because they'll starve to death. Their rescue party's gonna take too long to get there. They start to interact, they get jobs. Mestral, in particular, starts to get to know the local bar lady. Things are going quite well. Tamir is a bit more, she's a bit more reserved. She's not quite as reserved, however, as Strong. Strong does get a job, but still manages to step away from the humans in general. Then their communicator goes off, landing party's nearly there. Happy days, except not for Mestral. Mestral really has integrated. He really feels a part of this community now. And he tries to sort of goad his fellow Vulcans into staying. In fact, he looks at Strawn and goes, it's such a shame that you'll leave without ever experiencing one thing that these people have to offer. Strawn sits there and goes, such as alcohol, frozen fish sticks, nuclear annihilation. Mestral really doesn't have a comeback to that one. Goddamn Vulcans. Three, I'm not talking about the puppy. Susie Plaxton is wonderful, whether she's in Klingon ridges or in a Q's captain's uniform, and particularly so in the Star Trek Voyager episode, The Q and the Grey. She plays the female Q. She and our regular Q, John Delancey, apparently have had an on-again, off-again relationship for a few eons, but who's counting? While our Q is desperately trying to get Janeway pregnant, which is as strange as it sounds, the female Q is not massively pleased with this. So our Q is trying everything he can to woo Janeway. He is created this beautiful love bed, which is a bit tacky, in her quarters. He's filled her quarters with roses, and the icing on the cake is that he makes a beautiful red setter puppy appear in her ready room. Now, as we know, Janeway's own setter, Molly, is back in the Alpha Quadrant. So this, this is both a really low move and also kind of a sweet move on Q's part. And then in the background, off camera, the female Q appears and we just hear, what are you doing with that animal? And she goes, I'm not talking about the puppy. Q's face says it all. Wow. Two, you're either lost or desperately in need of a good tailor. There was no question as to whether Elam Garrick would turn up on this list. And it is also no question, his entry was gonna be a high one. In the opening episode of season four of Deep Space Nine, The Way of the Warrior, Garrick and Odo are sitting down having lunch together when they look over and see Drex, Martok's son, hassling Morn on the promenade. Odo walks over and effectively tells him, 
what the hell are you doing? Stop. Drex spits at him in Klingon and Garrick just smiles and says, actually, I don't believe Odo has a mother. So he walks back to his tailor shop, the doors open, and he finds some Klingons waiting for him. Now he turns around as Drex walks in, closes the door behind him, and to his absolute credit, Garrick looks him up and down and says, but let me guess, you're either lost or desperately in need of a good tailor. Drex makes him guess again. Breaks three of his ribs, shatters part of his eye socket, but Garrick got off some choice insults that will leave psychological scars for the rest of that Klingon's life. Number one, is that how you greet your long lost captain? Mary Wiseman delivers a blinder in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Sylvia Tilly was, uh, she's now a wonderful character and in a way she was then what she is now, but now we've had a bit more time to get used to her. So the first half of the season, it was a little hard to identify nearly with her or to, to be honest, take her a bit seriously every now and again. Then in the second half of the season, they wind up in the mirror universe and Tilly finds herself in the unenviable position of having to impersonate Captain Killy, which is just, a, it's silly, it's brilliant, I love it. And you're kind of caught there thinking, oh, there's, there's no way that this woman is gonna be able to pull off evil. So when the ISS Discovery goes up and meets the ISS Shenzhou, they hail their captain, who turns out to be Captain Connor whose Prime Universe counterpart had died previously. They surprise him with Burnham, who had, in this universe, died. He's a little bit cagey about bringing the Shenzhou over to the Discovery, and Tilly just steps up to the bat. She cuts across him and says, is that how you greet your long lost captain? If you greeted me that way, Connor, I'd cut out your tongue and use it to lick my boots. Yeah, it works. It works for me. I'm scared of her and she's absolutely brilliant. In that moment, I knew I loved Tilly. Killy. Tilly Killy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 